Amen, amen. Uh, well, guys, new series, right? Um, the, the Romans Road, and, and maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe you've even kind of learned some of that. Uh, hopefully, we're going to turn that a little bit on its head uh, and kind of present this to you in, in a new light. Um, but the focus of this study is how we can share the gospel by using the book of Romans as a road or, or a guide, right? And, uh, and, and listen, it's no secret that we're all called to make disciples, Amen? We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to be, to be witnesses. The problem is that when, when it gets to the crux of that, that one of the tenets of making disciples is, is sharing the gospel. Uh, now, now, the church word for sharing the gospel is, is the word evangelism, right? And some people kind of wonder, well, what, what is that? Well, here, here it is for you. So evangelism uh, is, is really just, just kind of three things. So evangelism is, is actively calling people to respond uh, to the message of, of the gospel, which we'll be talking about over the next six weeks, uh, and, and to commit themselves to God and Christ Jesus, right? So it's those three components. So, so we're actively calling somebody to, to have a response to the truth that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross for their sins, was buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven, and, uh, and, and, and then ultimately, hopefully, to commit their life to him. Right? And, and so, listen, it's a huge part of, of the Great Commission. Right? It's a huge part of the Great Commission. Now, now the Great Commission, we, we know that as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he says these words in Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting in verse 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so listen, part of that, part of that uh, making disciples and teaching them to obey everything that we've been commanded, part of that is evangelism. In fact, in Mark's account of this same occurrence, the Great Commission, uh, Mark actually records these words from Jesus in Mark 16, 15. It says, Then he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Preach the gospel to all of creation. Now that word preach uh, is, is the Greek word that means to, to proclaim. It means to be a herald. It says, go, go be a herald of, of the gospel to all of creation. And the gospel uh, literally means glad tidings or, or good news. But it's not just good news. It is the good news that Jesus died to procure our salvation. That's what we're called to, like, says, go into all of creation and, and, and do this, evangelize. And, and so listen, what I'm saying to you this morning is, guys, the Great Commission is certainly more than just evangelism. I think some people in the church for a long period of time thought, well, you know what, I, is, I, I've just got to go out and I've got to share Christ, and that's what the Great Commission is about. And then they leave off that other part, teaching them to obey everything I've come, so they leave off discipleship altogether, right? All right? But, but hear me, equally, we are at fault. Because all too often we think, well, as long as I tell people what I'm learning about God, then I'm good. Listen, uh, you, you can't make a disciple without someone being a follower of Christ. And, and so, so listen, it, it, the Great Commission is certainly more than sharing the gospel, but it's not less. You guys follow me? It's not less than sharing the gospel. And so that means that we all need to know how to do that. How to do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend six weeks with you teaching you a method of how to share Christ with somebody by using one source. I don't know if you've ever tried to do it before. Maybe you've tried to memorize ways that you could share Christ and, and you go from this verse and you've got to turn in the book all the way to this place. No, and like you're like in 15 different scriptures all over the Bible trying. Like I, I, I want to give you one book to go to 
And in this one book, we're going to give you six principles. So here is the goal of our study. We want to help you learn how to share the gospel by showing you how you can use the book of Romans as a guide or a road uh, to sharing six essential truths about Jesus with others. Six essential truths about Jesus with others. And I will give you guys um, one essential truth each week. We'll ask you to go home and work on that essential truth, trying to memorize it, maybe highlight the verse that we share with you. Uh, and, and here's the cool thing. So this week, uh, yeah, that means if I'm just sharing six truths with you in the book of Romans, guys, I'm not going to preach the entire book. Uh, it's going to be selections, right? But the cool thing is this morning I'm starting in Romans 1, which is awesome because those of you that are doing our church-wide reading plan, I'm going to go to camera 2 for a close-up real quick. Those of you that are doing this, uh, you're going to start reading Romans 1 tomorrow. And so it'd be really cool. So I'm preaching on Romans 1. You guys are going to start doing that. I want to remind you, which I will at the end of the service, uh, that you, you do not have to uh, be in a D group to be a part of our reading plan and to get a HEAR journal. So we want to encourage you to, to get those. So uh, with that in mind, uh, we're back over here. But um, so, so listen, we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. And if you have a Bible with you, uh, man, open it up. If you're following along on your phone, that's fine. I'm in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and I'm going to read through verse 25. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, that is His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, all people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show their gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. And there's just a couple things I want you to see here out of Romans chapter 1. And here is the first, guys. I want you to understand, according to this text, that God created everything, including us. Right? God, God created everything, in, including us. That, that, that's the big boast of, of Romans chapter 1. In fact, Romans 1.20, I'll put the verse on the screen there for you. Uh, it says, for His invisible attributes, that is His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world. And get this next sentence, this is huge. Being understood through what He has made. Through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. And, and so what the Bible is saying, like, listen... If you look at creation, it is evident that God made it, right? That, that, that's what it's saying. It's just declaring openly. If you just look around you, if you'll take a moment and think about the complexities of life, it is evident that there, there's an all-powerful, uh, imaginative, divine hand at work, right? This is Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so what the author of Romans 1 says is, listen, if you look to the sky, if you'll just look at the stars, if you look at how the sun comes up every day and, and the moon comes up, if you understand how the moon keeps, keeps uh, gravity here on earth and so that the oceans don't drown us, if you'll understand that, that the complexity of our world that we spin on an axis at a certain mile per hour so that the ice caps don't melt and, and, and that, that axis we wobble two or 
or three degrees from time to time, yeah, causing our, our seasons, right? If, if you'll look at just creation, Romans 1 says, then you'll know that there's a God because it's evident that that kind of stuff can't happen by accident, right? This is, this is Genesis 1.27. So God created man in His own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. And so what Romans 1 says is, listen, if, if you'll get up in the morning and you'll look in the mirror and you'll honestly think for a moment, Right? Don't, don't blow through it, but just think for a moment about yourself. Think about your body. Think about how all the systems in your body are working together. Think about the fact that the stuff that you exhale, carbon dioxide, is this stuff that plants need to go through photosynthesis so they can create the oxygen that then you need to breathe. If you'll think about the complexity of creation, Romans 1 is saying, then it's evident that there has to be an all-powerful, divine, intelligent hand behind it. Right? That's what it's saying. This is John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Romans 1 is saying, if you'll just look around you, you'll see there's not one thing that wasn't thought well of. There's not one thing that isn't complex in its design and has a purpose. What Romans 1 demands of the reader, guys, is the same thing that God demanded of Job. Anybody read the book of Job recently? When you get towards the end of the book of Job, God begins to speak to Job because Job finally kind of questions God. And so what God does with Job is, is He looks at him and He says, Okay, Job, fine. Let me talk to you, O oh man. Right? So, so I want you to look, Job, at everything around you. I want you to look at all of creation. Who do you think made that? and all of its complexity. Who do you think called all that into being and tells it how far its boundaries are? And so this is what God says to Job in Job 38, starting in verse 4. He says, Where, where were you, O man, when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket? When I determined its boundaries and I put bars and doors in place? When I declared you may come this far, but no farther? Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? And, and what God is saying to Job is like, man, dude, look around you. Who do you think did all this? And that's what Romans 1 forces the reader to do. Romans 1 says to the reader, look around you. Who do you think made all this? Right? Who do you think made all this? And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is we, we kind of dive into the book of Romans, we talk about how we can share the gospel from the book of Romans, is that Romans 1 declares that God created everything, including us. Right? But not only does it say that, it also says that God gave us good rules to live by according to that design. Right? That God gave us good rules to live by according to that design. And, and you think about Adam and Eve, and, and what did God say to Adam and Eve? He said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. That's a good rule, amen? Right? Way to go, Curleens, by the way. Uh, that's on Facebook. That's not, that's not hidden now. I mean, they just, they just were living that out amongst us. We're thankful for that. Uh, and yeah, that's good stuff, right? I mean, God, 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 some people say, well, God's rules aren't good. Well, what about the first one, man? I think it's awesome. Huh? You too. Go. Do that. Yeah. And all men are like, amen. God is good all the time. Right? 
God says, be fruitful, multiply. Then he says, listen, check this out. You can have anything you want to eat, any of these trees. Eat anything you want except for this one tree. Because if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to know bad things. And it's going to ruin you and you're going to die. Right? But God gave them good rules to live by. Same is true with the nation of Israel. God says, hey, I'm going to make you, you're my, you're, I'm going to make you my people. You're going to be my nation. And here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to give you ten commandments to live by. I'm going to give you some books of the law uh, on, on how we can relate to one another because you're sinful people. So we've got to have these books of the law on how you can worship me and how you can be in my presence. And so we're going to come up with a sacrificial system and most of those books of the law have to deal with that. He says, you're going to be my set-apart nation. And listen, here's the, here's the beauty. If you'll just do what I tell you to do, Man, it's going to lead to blessing and abundance in your life. Right? That's God's promise. Same is true for us. God looks at us and he says, hey, love me. Just love me. And love me with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And you know what? Just, just, just love other people like you would love yourself. And, and God says, listen, if you'll do that, I, I will unleash manifold blessing in your life. And yet, guys, what do we do? We reject that, don't we? We, we reject that. In fact, that's what Romans 1, 18 and 20 is, or 18 and 19 is about. It says, for God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of, of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. It says God's wrath, God's, God's anger is on display. Why? Because of their unrighteousness. What does that mean? Well, that means that God has given them right rules to live by. And they, they've, they've chosen, to, chosen to reject the rightness of God, right? It says because of their ungodliness. It, it, it's a rejection of, of God himself saying, hey, you don't have right to rule over me. That's ungodliness. That's unrighteousness. And I, like, hey, hey I, I'm, I'm looking. I, 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 okay, even if I believe there is a God, people would say, I'm not going to live according to his. I'm going to do what I want. And God says, listen, that's, that's ungodliness. That's unrighteousness. And so... Uh, the truth is that God's wrath, his judgment, is on display because of, of our rejection of him. Which kind of leads to, to really just the first point from the book of Romans, right? The first essential truth. Remember, there's six. So week one, here's your first essential truth, is this. God created us and we're accountable to him. God created us and we're accountable to him. See, if you're going to share the gospel, uh, one of the first places you need to start, guys, I, I know we, we think the Romans road starts in Romans chapter 3, most of us. We like, think it has to do with, with, with our actions towards God. No, no, in our world, we kind of need to start with the fact that there is a God, He made everything, and everything's accountable to Him. See, one, one of the first questions you have to answer for somebody that doesn't know God at all is this, who made me and to whom am I accountable? Who made me, how did I get here, and to whom Am I accountable? And the book of Romans says God made you. And because God made you, you are accountable to Him. Right? Because God made you, He has the right to demand that you worship Him. Verse 21 speaks of that. Right? So creation screams we're not an accident. Creation screams that we're made with an intelligent design, that we're made for a reason, that we're made for a, a purpose. We're the result of God's plan and action. And listen, it means that we owe Him. That we owe Him. And, and, and I know how that doesn't set right with some of us because of our individualistic nature. We, we, we want to reject that. But I want to encourage you. Think back with me for a minute. Uh, anybody remember kind of the old uh, TV action movies? Anybody remember those? Um, come on, help me out. Anybody? Okay, like, I'm like, nobody else watched TV growing up? Okay, so typically there's a hero... 
uh, there's a hero, and then often the hero has a, a, a sidekick, right? And, and so there's always a, a backstory, typically, to how the hero gets a sidekick. And typically the way it plays out is that hero gets a sidekick. Why? He gets a sidekick because at some point the hero saved the sidekick's life, right? And, and the sidekick realized at that moment, because it, something had happened that he didn't deserve, realized, I owe this guy. Right? And so the sidekick then pledges himself to that hero and says, listen, for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm going to live to serve you, to protect you. Why? Because I owe you. And you see, this is where the gospel begins. It's God made us. And, and not only did he make us, then after we rejected him, which we'll get to later in the story, then he, he seeks us out and he saves us. What, what, I, what I'm telling you, because God made us, man, we owe we're accountable to him. And that is where the story of the gospel begins. Is that there is a creator. And, and, and we say to people around us, just look around you. Look at all the complexity of life. There is no way we're a cosmic accident. There's no way that lightning struck some pool of primordial, primordial ooze and, and somehow all of this complexity happened. Like, life doesn't work that way. There had to be a God, an all-powerful, it had to have the power to make this happen, right? Had to be imaginative, all the creativity that we see had to be complex, had to have a mind unlike anything that we know or could fathom, okay? There had to be a God that made everything. That includes you. And if there's a God that made you, listen, you owe him. You owe him. That's where the gospel begins. That's where the gospel begins. So what do we do with that, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you to a few things each week, and uh, some of them are going to be pretty easy. The first thing I want you to do this week, okay, application-wise, is I just want you to memorize that, that essential truth, right? Just memorize that, that essential truth. God created us, and we're accountable to Him. That's it. Just memorize that. So you're like, I'm doing a Bible reading plan. I've got to memorize Scripture. Yes, you do. You're going to work on that. Just think on this every day. Just, just pull up your sermon notes. Save the PDF. Email yourself. Whatever you've got to do. Put, put a little reminder on your phone. You can actually make this pop up every morning. Just talk to that lady on your phone. I can't say it. She'll, she'll start talking to me now. You just talk to the lady, the magic lady in your phone uh, that Apple's put there, and you just talk to her and say, hey, set a reminder for this day, this day, this day. And, and she'll say, what do you want me to remind you of? Say that phrase. Say that essential truth. Right? God made me, and I'm accountable to him, and it'll help. Okay, so that's the first step. You've got you to memorize it. Our goal, by the way, when this is all said and done, I was thinking about this on my way in, I think we're going to give you some kind of bookmark or something that you can put in your Bible that will have all six of these essential truths and where you can go. But I can't give it to you yet because I haven't taught them yet. Otherwise, you'd show up and be like, well, why, why do I have to listen to this? So, so we're not going to do that, but you'll get it eventually, okay? But, but start here, essential truth number one, and God made me. Right? God made me, and I'm accountable to him, okay? Uh, second thing I want you to do, I want you mentally right? Mentally, I want you to attach essential truth with Romans 1.20, okay? You've got to make a connection, all right? Why? Because at some point, uh, otherwise you're going to try to share the gospel with somebody. You can be like, man, I, I know this is part of my call as a Christian on earth. I've got to share the gospel with people. I can't, I can't teach them everything I know about Christ if they don't know Christ, right? Because discipleship doesn't happen to evangelism does, right? And so I, I kind of have to walk them through that. And so once they know Christ, then I can start teaching them the deeper things of Christ. I know that's what God's called me to do. And so, but if I'm going to get there, not only do I have to tell them, hey, God made you and you're accountable to him, I've got to show them where, Right? So listen, man, Romans 1.20 says that, that we can look at all of creation and, and tell that there's a God that we're without excuse. 
that we're without excuse because what's, what, it's evident that there's a God, that, that, that a God made everything, including you. Like, I just, I, mentally, I need to know that attachment. Does that make sense? Yeah? A little bit? Okay. So we're going to do that. We're going to mentally kind of make that connection. And, and that brings me just to the, the last thing I want to challenge you to do uh, this week. And so uh, I want you to start reading the book of Romans. All right, I want you to start reading the book of Romans. Okay, I want to bring clarity, if I can, to this beautiful little thing. Uh, so this is our church-wide Bible reading plan. Um, these things, for those that are going to read the Bible with us, uh, they start tomorrow. Start tomorrow morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're going to do it. We're going to read one chapter a day, five days a week, and then we're, we're going to journal uh, with it. So somebody uh, the other day came up and they were going to grab a journal for themselves because they're in a D group, uh, but their spouse uh, isn't in a D group. And so they thought, well, I don't, I don't need one for them. And I was like, well, well yeah, are they not going to read the Bible? And they're like, well, yeah, but they're, just, they're, they're in a place right now. Physically, they can't be around other people. So, well, hey, grab a journal. Right? Because, because it's not just about being in a D group. The journal was a tool that our D groups use uh, because when you, when you meet with a D group, if you're in one, uh, you'll open up your journals, you'll talk about what you're reading. But the Bible reading plan and, and, and the journal is for everyone. It's for anyone that wants to read the Bible and says, hey man, I want to get serious about learning about Jesus. I, I, I want to I interact with the Word of God every day because the most important thing we can do, guys, is, is daily be hearing from God. We need to hear, we need to learn how to hear the active voice of God. So we read the Logos, the written Word of God, as we do the Spirit of God, the living voice of God, speaks to us and points out things that we need to know for that day. Right, that we need to focus on for our own personal transformation. So that's where real change happens. So I want to encourage you, please join us. If you're one of those that, that somehow through my miscommunication, because let's face it, that's how things are. You have big ideas and you talk about all the, all the way, it, you know, I, I geek out on, oh, it's going to work this way, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes we just get lost in that. So don't be lost in that. We want everyone, uh, hopefully, to be doing a reading plan. I went over the reading plan with my boys last night. They were super excited. Hey, guys, I know you're at home watching me. Daddy loves you. Can't wait. I'm super excited to read the Bible with you, and you don't get to play Xbox unless you do. Um, and um, so I, I just I said, hey, I've, I've failed you as a dad. I've, I've allowed you to do a whole lot of other things that are unimportant in life, and, and you know, maybe you're going to grow up and, and you're going to hate. You know, I was, a, I was a preacher's kid, and my dad made me read the Bible. Okay, uh, that's the worst thing you can say about me. Just, uh, I'll be okay with that. So, um, so that's what we're going to try to establish. I'm going to try to hold my kids accountable. Uh, we walk through together how to do that. I've, I've given them study Bibles. We talked about how to use those study Bibles. I'm going to be available to them the first few weeks uh, anytime they have questions about what a passage means. And so that's what I'm, I'm going to try to do with my kids. I, I'm just telling you, it's probably not going to be seamless because nothing in our house is seamless right now, right, baby? Uh, it just is not. But, but we're going we're gonna to try. We're going to try. And so I hope you guys do too. And so please join us in, in reading uh, the Bible, okay? Um, listen, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to have Miss Catherine come up. So you guys at home, uh, when I start praying, don't, don't, don't just sign off, because Catherine has some really important announcements for you. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for allowing us to interact with your living word today. And thank you for teaching us that not only did you make everything, which I think many of us here knew, but God, because you made everything, because you made us, we are actually accountable to you. We owe you. We owe you. Maybe we've never thought of that. Maybe we've never made that mental connection. May today be the first day. If there's somebody here that for the first time that, that strikes a chord, I pray that you'd begin doing a work in their spirit right now. Wait, what does it mean if I owe God? Oh, wow, what have I been doing? Lord, just 
begin that kind of deep work in us, Father. For those that are believers and maybe haven't been taking the call to evangelism seriously, I pray that you'd help them learn these essential truths so that we can go out and, and preach the gospel. It doesn't mean we have to preach. It means that we proclaim, man, there is good news for you to all people that we know as we go about life. God, um, thank you for allowing us to gather. Thank you for those gathered here today, those that are gathered at home. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.